So uh, today is Swap Sunday. I'm here with Wayne, and Justin and Charles are up in Quakertown. And speaking of Quakertown, uh, we'd like to welcome Quakertown into our service. Uh, we hope you're having a wonderful time up there, guys. Um, if you haven't met Charles and you knew the church, go ahead and take advantage of him being up there and go ahead and meet him. Wayne and I are going to be headed up a little bit later to join you guys with a shoebox packing party. And Charles, thanks again for uh, being up there and being with our community there. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Fruitology. And the suffix ology, the suffix ology implies a gaining of knowledge. It implies a study. And so we're studying fruit. We're gaining knowledge of fruit, but not kumquats and apricots. The fruit we're talking about is the result of an action. Fruit is the result of an action. The action we're talking about is the result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so what happens is, is that we're taking a look at a list that a man named Paul wrote in a letter to a church in Galatia. And in this list, we see this fruit. We see these results of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And as we look at those lists, we're trying to look at our own lives and see how the Holy Spirit is working in us. So if you have your Bibles, you can t- turn to the book of Galatians. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways to follow along. You can look up at the screens up front. You can take out your phone or your tablet and go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or if you're in Southerton, you can take the Bible out of the seat rack in front of you. Or in Quakertown, we have them in the back on a cart right behind the chairs. You can take them there. Whether you're in Southerton or whether you're in Quakertown, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to keep that one. It's our gift to you. It's free. We believe that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life. And if you don't know how to read one, if you've never read a Bible, give us a call. We'd love to walk you through that. So we're going to be reading from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So, we've been doing something each week as we've been reading these verses. We've been quizzing each other, right? And so what we do is we put up on the screen the verse and we take out some words and we're trying to memorize them so that we know them by the time we're doing this. Not that we don't, not that we don't only just study them, but we know these verses. So we're going to do that again. So put the Bibles away, put the phones away. Quaker Town, you got to put your A game, you got to impress Charles, you know, make me look good here, okay? All right, here's here we're going to do. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's do this quiz real quick. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> I think it's the forbearance. You guys, once forbearance comes, you're like, I don't know. I don't know, even know what you're talking about. And so you just give up. <laughs> All right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So if you've been paying attention during this series, we have been going in order. Uh, we did love, and then we did joy, and then we did peace, and last week we did forbearance, which is patience, and so we did that last week. We're going to shake it up a little bit today. We're going to 
go out of order. Today we're going to be looking at goodness. We're going to be looking at goodness. For no other reason than because I wanted to. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to be reading into this. It's just I wanted to do goodness. Before we look at goodness, I want to remind you of what we're studying in this series. This is not an action list. This is a description list. It's not an action list. The Bible doesn't say, but the fruit of the Spirit compels us to do good things, to do kind things, to do peaceful things. This is not an action list. It's a description list. Now, obviously, if you are a person who is good or if you're a person who is uh, described as uh, filled with love or joy or peace, you will be doing things that are peaceful. You will be doing things. But this is not about doing. It's about being. It's about being. And that's very important when it comes to goodness. When it comes to goodness, we need to understand that this describes God. Goodness is a description of God. In Exodus chapter 33, we read of this. Moses has been chosen by God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And they go into the wilderness and they have this kind of roller coaster ride. They're for God, and then they turn their backs on God. They're for God, they turn their backs on God. God is patient through all of this, and he's, and he's dealing with, with this. And Moses is the one who intercedes before God for the people. And in one of these conversations, Moses makes this bold request. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Moses goes to God and he says, I want to see you. I want to see who you are in your full effect. Reveal yourself to me. He makes this bold request. Listen to God's answer. In verse 19, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, so no one, for no one may see me and live. Goodness is a character trait of God. It is, his, it is in his very nature. Did you, did you catch what, what, what happened when Moses said, reveal yourself to me, show me your fullness of glory, and God said, I will bring my goodness in front of you. Goodness describes God. It's hard to grasp that sometimes, though. It's hard to really grasp what that means. It's, it's hard to fully understand what does that mean, that God is good. We don't fully get that. And the reason we don't fully get that is because we've kind of diminished the meaning of the word good, right? We've kind of cheapened it a little bit. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So, a while back, my wife spent the day cooking a meal. And I need you to understand ahead of time, I'm going to preface this with two things. My wife, I love the way she cooks. She's an amazing cook. And the second thing is, if you ever hear the story from my wife, it will be told differently. <laughs> but this is the full story. 
So she spent the whole day cooking. I got home late from work. And so the kids had already eaten, but she waited. So she sits down, and we eat dinner together. It's just the two of us. And she's just watching me as I eat the food, waiting for a reaction. And then she looks at me. She goes, do you love it? Do you love it? And I said, it's good. (laughs) I should have stopped. (laughs) And her face lit on fire. The eyes went on fire. She's like, it's what? It's good. And she goes, no. Do you love it? Because I have worked for hours on this. And it's gourmet. Do you love it? And I said, it's good. (laughs) Then I said, and this is the part of the story that you will hear from my wife. Hun, you can't always hit a home run. (laughs) But singles are good too. They get people around the bases. I said all of this to her. She took my meal away. (laughs) She didn't really do that. (laughs) Why was she upset? Not, no, not the home run comment, not that. Why was she upset beforehand? Because of how we define good. Good is okay. It's not exceptional. It's not even great. It's, it's good. That's all it is. But the reality is that everything we call good is simply mere shadows of the good God who created everything. We cannot understand goodness because of how we define good in our minds. When we think of goodness as a character trait of God, when we think of goodness as describing God, we realize that in order to understand goodness, you have to understand God. And if this is the case, then goodness is actually more in line with holiness. It's more in line with holiness, not our definition of goodness. And if that's the case, then we're faced with a new reality. You see, goodness describes God. This describes God. Goodness doesn't describe me. It doesn't describe you. It doesn't describe us. This doesn't describe us. Not anymore. Not anymore. If you're new to Calvary Church, you may not have heard us go through the storyline of the Bible. At Calvary Church, we believe that the Bible is not a series of disconnected events or disconnected accounts or disconnected stories. It's one story. It's the story of God. And so what we've done is we've divided that story up into six parts to show that the story constantly is pointing to Jesus, that Jesus is the point of the story. And we've divided it up into six acts, and act one is God creates. Act two is God is rejected. Act three is God promises. Act four is God appears. And then act five is where we're at now. The story is not done. It's still continuing. It's God sends. And the story will finish with God restores. When Jesus returns and he makes everything perfect. 
Well, at the beginning of that story, when God creates, if you read the account in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, this is what happens. God makes something, and then he says, it is good. It is good. God creates And then he proclaims, it is good. When God created our first ancestors, he proclaimed, it is good. But then something happened. We lost our goodness. And the reason we lost our goodness is because we rejected God. We declared outright rebellion against him when we chose to not do what he wanted us to do and to do what he didn't want us to do when we chose to sin. You see, apart from God, there is no goodness. Because the result of our sin is separation from God. We have lost our goodness. This is echoed in the Bible. In Psalm chapter 14, verse 3. The verse right before it talks about God looking down and looking at mankind. And listen to his observation. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Jesus echoes this in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, Jesus meets a young man. In verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Goodness is a description of God, but it is not a description of us. And yet sometimes we live like that's the opposite. Sometimes we live like we are basically good and God is not. And there's a danger in living like that because Not only is it incorrect, not only is it untrue, but when we live like that, we come to incorrect conclusions. If I feel that I am basically good, I will determine that goodness is something I can obtain by behavior modification. It is something that I can obtain as a characteristic of me by me doing things differently. That if I do enough good, then I will be good. And so I will change the way I speak, change the way I act, even sometimes change the way I dress in an effort to obtain the classification of goodness. That's not goodness. That's simply making a mask. That's just making a mask. When we rely on our own efforts for goodness, the result is not goodness. Our efforts for goodness, apart from Jesus, is really just trash. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul comments on a self-made righteousness. He's talking about his own self-made righteousness. He's talking about all of the things that he's done. He lists his resume. He lists all of these things that happened before he realized who Jesus was. And he looks at all of it and he says, apart from Jesus, all of this stuff I did is simply garbage. It's garbage. When we treat goodness as something we can manufacture on our own, 
We simply gift-wrap garbage. It might look good, but it still stinks. After seeing Jesus for who he is, everything changed. Everything changed for Paul. You see, that is the key to what we're talking about. We look at this and we just simply stop at the point where we look and say our goodness, our efforts are simply garbage and that we are not good and this does not describe us. If we end there, that's pretty, that's pretty much a downer, right? I mean, I'm not going back to that church. Like it just, but it doesn't end there. Something happens. Something happens. Jesus changes everything. Goodness describes God. It does not describe us. But because of Jesus, the description is transferred. The description is transferred. In the Old Testament, it's very, it's very interesting. I was, I was studying goodness, and I, I decided just to look up all the times goodness was mentioned in the Bible. And I don't want to read too much into this, but I found something really interesting. In the Old Testament, in the first part of the Bible, goodness is never used as an attribute for a person. It's used twice to describe the works and deeds of people. It's used for King Josiah once and Gideon another time. But goodness is never used as an attribute for a person. It's used constantly as an attribute for God. It's used constantly as a character trait of God. But it's never used as an attribute of a person. It's never used as a description of the character of a person, of the character traits of a person, of who a person is. Never in the Old Testament. But when you get to the New Testament, something changes. When we get to the New Testament, goodness is described as a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in people. It is described as something that is a characteristic of those who follow Jesus because of the Holy Spirit's work in him. It's used in Ephesians. It's used in Romans as character traits of those who follow Jesus. In the Old Testament, never is it used for people. In the New Testament, it's used for people. Why? Because of Jesus. It's only after Jesus' death and resurrection that goodness begins to be talked about as a character trait of people. Goodness is not a result of our own doing or our own actions. It's a result of what Jesus did and his actions. The only one who could claim goodness was Jesus. The only one who could actually lived in throughout all history, who can actually claim goodness as his own, as a person, was Jesus. And he decides to transfer that goodness to us, for all who would believe in him. Goodness is the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us. It is very characteristic of a God, of a good God. It is a part of who he is. And he allows us to be called good because of Jesus. But how does this transfer take place? How how does this happen? What does it look like? I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate the answer to that. I feel like sometimes we make that answer very complicated and we list all of these rules and and regulations and steps of how that can happen. 
we start looking for just a process or a method when actually it's a little bit simpler than that. My oldest son and my oldest daughter cook one night a week each dinner for our family. So Caleb will cook dinner one night a week. Autumn will cook dinner one night a week. This week, Caleb was making dinner. And he decided that he was going to make BLTs, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches, right? Again, I got home late, get home. My wife is frustrated because dinner hasn't even begun to be put together. Not, not just that kids haven't eaten, but nothing seems to be happening. And so I go up to Caleb, and I'm like, Caleb, dude, you're, like, cooking the bacon, but what's going on? Like, what, why is this taking so long? And he said to me, I can't find a recipe. <laughs> what? I can't find a recipe. I'm like, dude, it's a BLT. Bacon, lettuce, tomato. Not that hard. No, you don't understand. You need a recipe. Apparently there are recipes. If you Google recipes for BLT, apparently there are, but those are for all crazy people like my son. But I'm like, dude, it's bacon, lettuce, and tomato. He was so preoccupied with this recipe that when we started to eat, I went and I toasted some bread. He goes, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm toasting bread. He goes, no, you don't eat BLTs with toasted bread. You eat them with untoasted bread. I'm like, dude, something's wrong with you. <laughs> he was overcomplicating things. He was focusing so much on a recipe, on steps, that he paid no attention to the ingredients. What's important in a BLT? Not how you put it together, but that there's bacon, lettuce, and tomato in it. It's just the ingredients. Sometimes we do that with the gospel. We focus so much on steps or methods or different things like that that we lose sight of the elements and ingredients of the gospel. And I'm concerned that there are some people who focus so much on a method that they put their faith in a method instead of putting their faith in Jesus. I've talked to far too many people in my life that exhibit no fruit that we describe in this passage, no fruit in their lives, who, who, who exhibit no relationship with Jesus, but they will be quick to tell me, yeah, I remember something. I, I said some sort of prayer in a camp. I remember filling out a card or something along that. And I'm saying those are not bad methods. I'm not criticizing the methods. But if you put your faith in a method instead of Jesus, then you're in a dangerous spot. It's not about the recipe. It's about the ingredients. And so what are the ingredients of the gospel? Well, I need to see God for who he is. I need to see God for who he is. I need to see that God is God. That there is a God. That he created everything. That he's Lord over all. That God is good. And he loves me more than I can imagine. I need to see God for who he is. That God is all-powerful. That there is only one God. I need to see God for who he is. I need to see myself for who I am. 
I am not God. I am not God. And I am not good. In fact, everything that I have done apart from Jesus that I call good is garbage. I have rebelled against God. I have declared outright war against him. And there is a consequence for that action. And that consequence is separation from God. It is death. It is hell. There is a result of what I have done. I need to see myself for who I am. I need to see God for who he is, and I need to see myself for who I am. And then I need to see Jesus for who he is. God loved us so much that he sent his son to pay a price that we could not pay, to pay for our debt that we simply could not satisfy. Jesus is fully God and, full, and was fully man. Jesus came and he lived life here on earth. Not just life, but a perfect life. The only one who could claim goodness as his own. He lived a life without sin. And he was put to death on a cross. And he died a death to pay the price for you and for me. He was put in a tomb. Dead. But three days later, he walked out alive, eternally victorious. And he is coming back to reclaim his church, to reclaim his bride, and to make everything perfect. I need to see Jesus for who he is. I need to see Jesus as the only answer. That the gospel is about Jesus. There is no other solution. I need to see Jesus for who he is. And then I need to respond appropriately. If I see God for who he is, and I see myself for who I am, and I see Jesus for who he is, then I need to respond appropriately. And here's where I feel that we lose focus on what's important. I feel like sometimes we lose focus on what's important. I once read a book, and I'm going to be careful with how I say this because I don't, my, my intention is not to insult anyone or not to be criticizing, but there's something that I felt very strongly when I read this book. I read this book, and it was explaining how to evangelize and win people for Jesus. And it became very clear to me that this book was more about winning than it was about Jesus. It was giving me these, these verses to read, and, and if I read these verses, then there would be no way that this person could not respond and follow Jesus because I read them these verses. And then if they did for somehow resist these verses, then they gave me questions to ask, and these questions would ultimately seal the deal. There was, it was like a guaranteed plan, and I felt like I was reading a sales handbook for a product not the gospel. Jesus is not a product that we sell. Let's not cheapen him that way. There are methods to explain the gospel, yes. And that's good tools and resources. But when the method overshadows the message, we've got problems. We've got problems. 
My greatest fear is that we create a false sense of security for some people, that they may be trusting in the right words that they might have said or written down on a card at some point. But they've never really turned to Jesus. I get concerned about that. And again, I'm not criticizing things, but it is a deep fear in me that people begin to trust in words that they wrote down, in words that they said, instead of trusting in Jesus. That's not the gospel, that's magic. And magic doesn't save. So we need to respond appropriately. And that response can look different in its method. It can happen in an instant, in a service. It can happen like that. It can happen over time. It can happen in the quietness of my room when I reconcile with God. It can happen in different ways. It can look different for each of you. But there has to be a response. And that response is one of repentance. I come to God not haughty or demanding what is mine. I come to God in humility. And I ask for forgiveness And I turn from what I was pursuing, and then I turn to Jesus. I turn from my old life, and I turn to Jesus. At some point, a choice has to occur. At some point, it may be in an instant, maybe over time, but a choice has to occur. I see God for who he is. I see myself for who I am. I see Jesus for who he is, and I respond appropriately. And when I respond appropriately, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm a child of God. Goodness has now been transferred to me. The goodness of Christ is transferred to me. I am united with Christ. And so the result is this. I need to give up my mission and continue what Jesus started. If the gospel is now real in my life, I need to give up my mission and continue what Jesus started. I am no longer my own, and now my mission is not my own. The result of the gospel in my life is drastic. The mission of my life changes. It is no longer about me. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. And we complicate it sometimes. We complicate it sometimes. We cannot obtain goodness on our own. But because of the gospel, it's transferred to us. I need to see God for who he is. I need to see myself for who I am. I need to see Jesus for who he is, and I need to respond appropriately. And when that happens, I am given a new mission. The gospel is life-changing. It is life-changing. Because of the gospel, there is no shame. There is no shame. There is no guilt. We are looked at in God's eyes as good, as his precious children. The gospel brings hope. See God for who he is. See myself for who I am. See Jesus for who he is and respond appropriately. How are you going to respond to the gospel? And for those of us who have chosen to respond appropriately, my challenge to you is this. We no longer live according to our own mission.
we are to continue what Jesus started. Both in word and in deed. So this week, live out the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the way you provided a way for us to have that goodness transferred to us. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Help us to let it grow in our hearts so that it just becomes something that is so tangible to those around us. Lord, for, for those who, who have not embraced that good news, who have not embraced who Jesus is, we ask you that you just work in their hearts. That you will bring the hope that comes from the gospel into their lives. Lord, help us to be a church that lives out the gospel and continues what Jesus started. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to talk with someone, if you'd like to pray with someone, you can come up front. Otherwise, go and have a great week.